Hello and welcome to the People Who Play podcast, the podcast designed to inspire you to live playfully. I'm here as always, I'm Emma, your host, and actually I'm on my own this week, guys. Poor old Ben, who's normally here with me, has completely lost his voice. That cold that seems to be just spreading its way around the country has knocked on our door. And yeah, he's uh, he's he's voiceless. <laughs> um, so get well soon, Ben, and he will be back here um, next week. Now, this is a special episode of the podcast. This is a sponsored episode. I am partnering with our good friends at Habitat to celebrate the launch of Habitat Kids. I've been working with Habitat Kids over the past month or so now um, to to join them on the celebration of this this new kids range. Um, it's so awesome. I love what they've done and a lot of their sort of thinking and their sort of um, design inspiration has come from um, play and wanting to help parents and children set up environments to promote uh, creativity and playfulness. So it's been really awesome for me to um, work with them more closely and get a bit more of a glimpse into what goes into creating and and launching a range um, like this, which is really exciting. So on the podcast today, I was lucky enough to speak to Andrew Tanner, who is design manager at Habitat. And he shared with me some behind the scenes insights into the design of the range, the inspiration behind the launch of Habitat Kids and what's coming next for them. Um, And it was just really interesting. Um, As you guys know, I love creativity and bringing creatives onto the show. And yeah, it was just really, I found it really insightful learning a bit more about the process um, and his his kind of design background and what's gone into this range. We also speak a bit about some research that I was also involved in with Habitat Kids that they did alongside the launch of this range. And there was a lot of data, really interesting data that came up in that research. Um, it was a, a survey with over 2000 parents with kids aged four to 11. And one of the the insights that I really liked that came up was this sort of magic number that appeared with um, parents who were playing with their children five or more hours a week felt less stressed and also found that they were kind of creatively inspired. So the creativity that flowed out of playing with their children followed them round in other areas of their lives. Um, and this was like really fascinating to me. This is right up my street, isn't it? And this kind of number, this like five hours or more. And, and I think when I first saw that, I thought, blimey, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> that really does sound like a lot. But, you know, you start to break that down over the course of the week. And actually, I think it's quite achievable because all those little moments of playfulness, those everyday little micro bursts of interaction over kind of um, yeah games or playful conversations, silly little dances, handshakes, jokes, laughs, drawing, running around, whatever it might be, they all actually add up. Um, and it was really yeah, it was really quite cool for me to see that in like a data point. <laughs> um, to sort of see that yeah like this can reduce um stress which is very much all my sort of like live playfully philosophy is all about it's like just trying to tune into those little moments of playfulness to to find more joy um, and to just make life 
a little bit lighter because boy oh boy does the grind of the everyday family life it can really sort of yeah it can get a lot um can't it so that was really fascinating for me and um, from the research and this habitat kids um range of interiors has really sort of like boiled out of the desire for a lot of parents in today's generation to create environments for their kids that promote and foster um, creative play. I guess we all are in this sort of um, ongoing relentless pursuit of balance with between screen time and non-screen time and tuning into our environment and how is our environment set up for play um, and particularly sort of creative play um, how how can that help? So um, yeah, Andrew does a really lovely job of of talking about how they wanted to instill those little moments of like storytelling sparks, those little just like touch points of perhaps like softness or playfulness that spark some of those moments in the environment around us. So I love this conversation, as you know, I love talking about play. I love the concept and the the, the subject of the impact of environment on play behaviors. Um, I love nerding out to that stuff. So to talk about it in the context of the home and interiors, um, yeah, this was really, really interesting to me. So I will play the interview now in full. I hope you enjoy it. And yeah, do go along and have a look at the new Habitat Kids range. It's pretty awesome. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to the podcast. It's so lovely to have you here. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for asking. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited um, about this conversation. I'm quite a interiors uh, nerd myself um, and spend quite a lot of my time consuming interiors content and um, taking pictures of my house. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, so I'm really excited to hear what you've got to say. Just, just to get us... Um, started it would be brilliant if you could um tell me a little bit about your um role at habitat and your um your kind of background in in interiors and design yeah sure so i'm the uh, design manager for habitat um and we're very fortunate enough to have uh, a great in-house design team um, so there's quite a few of us uh, there's 21 in-house designers so we are one big family and um, I think before then I mean I've I've been very fortunate enough to have a, a career in design um, I started straight out of university I was a ceramicist and uh, so very much about the tactility and shape and form and the importance of storytelling and then I've just been so fortunate to be able to now be with a much more larger family of creatives. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a blessing, really, because I don't think there's many retailers uh, nowadays that have the great opportunity of having an internal design team. Um, mm. But it's so important for where we are now um, in terms of making sure that we answer as many things we possibly can for our customers. Yeah, wow. And I always love to talk to creatives about their kind of play roots and a bit about your play DNA. Were you mm. were you into sort of Play-Doh before you went to um, <laughs> ceramics and pottery? What kind of things did you do as a child that led you into a, a creative career? I um, absolutely. I mean, Blue Peter, I think everybody grew up <laughs> with Blue Peter. Um and for me, play was so important and it certainly carved out my creative career to where it is now. 
Um, I think that through play, you're able to communicate much better and you're able to actually demonstrate things in a visual way to those that perhaps are less visually minded as well. Um, so I think creativity, uh, or should I say creative people, have got a great opportunity to, to really explain who they are as individuals through, through play. And of course, you know, I was very fortunate I picked up um, paint and you know clay and ceramics and as you said play-doh lego all of the usual traits that make us creatives now yeah fuzzy it, felt it, fuzzy felt was brilliant yeah i remember fuzzy felt yeah that was good um so satisfying when it sort of sticks <laughs> to the other <laughs> bit <laughs> i love it yeah, um, and, and, and how do you because obviously um when when creativity comes together with um business and um, there's opportunity there to sort of unleash that but also it is a it is a work environment and we all sort of work yeah. to to deadlines and schedules do you in within your team your family that you talked about so beautifully do you bring in play like how do you balance the unleashing the creativity with also the kind of day-to-day -day realities of, of being at work it's a shame that the team aren't here today because they would probably answer that far better than I. Um, but we are very much um, in a state of mind that if we're not collaborating or working together, um, we're not as strong. So we know that we lean heavily on um, communicating on screen as we all have. Yeah. But I think if I'm honest, we did find it quite difficult at times yeah. because we're so used to talking over the garden fence um, when you're in your zone and as you know as a creative as well particularly when you're redesigning your interiors um, you know having a zone is really important so everybody gets mm -hmm. into their creative zone and we're far more you know accurate in what our ambitions are and we're able to think much more fastly and you know more 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 together but having that cup of tea over the garden fence picking tactility up you know picking mm. up on on bits and pieces that you've just been inspired by and of course travel plays such an important role in that for us because you know having primary investigative work that fuels us as creatives is so important um, and I think that we've really struggled over um, lockdown to actually not be able to travel um, However, that said, we've probably travelled more to UK destinations than ever before. So our storytelling is perhaps a lot more richer because of it. Mm, yeah, that's fascinating. So you have been in the interiors world for quite some time now. And um, just as a fan and an observer, it seems like it's been such an explosive time um, in home interiors. I'd love to hear your kind of um, perspective on what you you're seeing in interiors and what's like what's happening people seem to be paying a lot more attention to to their home environment yeah absolutely and I think post and I think you know we're almost holding the mirror up to ourselves and asking the question so if this is my office environment how do I then you know resurface this to be my lounge environment or my environment with my children or whatever it may be so our spaces have you know needed to become far more adaptable than ever before and I think with adaptability also comes a lot of pressure on designers because we need to make sure that we get that right 
Mm, yeah, that's interesting. And like the boundaries as well feel like they, for some people, have got quite challenging in terms of um, I'm working, I'm playing, I'm kind of uh, relaxing and that sort of like fluidity of all those things um, in one space, I think is sort of making people perhaps think a bit differently or more strategically about how they're kind of designing their spaces. For sure. And I think when we, you know, heard about how we're going to be staying at home more, we perhaps were quite guilty of thinking, well, this is short term. And so what I'll do is I need a desk, but actually I don't want to invest in a desk. So I'm just going to, you know, pop my laptop on books or whatever it may be. And so, you know, when it when it kind of started, we were all kind of make doing and mending. Whereas now I think there's um, an opportunity for us to carve out how we live our lives for today based on the lessons that we've learned. You know, we've definitely propelled ourselves. Um post post pandemic in terms of um, having furniture that needs to be more adaptable and and have longevity around it as well so mm. as a designer and as designers we are really listening and observing how everybody is using their spaces and small space living as well has never been more of a buzzword than ever before and I think that's because our spaces do need to be more adaptable yeah. um, and then the, the other great thing is as well is, is about mental health. You know, it's really come to the surface uh, and it's something that, you know, is, a, is, is something that's really confidently spoken about now. And and also colour plays such an important part mm. in, in, in that. So as creatives, we've perhaps got more to deliver than ever before. And that's certainly something that is, you know, at the heart of what we do here at Habitat. Yeah, God, I think that's so true. And I'm like a real um, advocate for colour and how it affects how you feel. Um, I yeah. was fortunate to once do a colour psychology course and it was um, fascinating about um, not just impacting how you feel, but also how you um, behave as well. So how the environment around you can um, change how you actually behave and you know as someone who I'm an expert in play that's really fascinating to me because we know that from the outside world we know if you release yeah. you know a bunch of kids on a beach versus in the woods versus in a, um, a gym at school they're going to play differently in in those different environments and we can think about that in our sort of smaller environments as well how do the environments affect how we behave inside them I think that's fascinating and I think it brilliantly does lead us to why we wanted to create our our first full scale kids collection uh, under Habitat. And and I think being a parent myself, but also having a team of designers that are also parents, uh, you know, a good a good percentage of them have all got little ones. Mine are slightly more grown up now. Um, but equally, you know, the, the head of product as well, uh, who's Rona Olds, also has a, a child. And I think that that really helped us with our think tanks really early on in the stages, because there are children's collections out there in the market. But are there enough children's collections in the market that really does explore the importance of being a child, the importance of environments for children, and also the importance of colour and, you know, we, we, we started to explore live work play um, 
but what does that mean for for a child's perspective because we all know live work play as adults mm. but in actual fact that lens for children was really exciting for us to explore mm. Yeah. What sort of conversations did you get in there? I'm really intrigued by um, what you said about, you know, how designed for kids is kids stuff, because I think there's quite a tension between um, a generation of parents who have been exposed to a lot more design stimulus via social media and who want something to sort of look aesthetically a certain way versus what is also perhaps more child-led, more child-friendly. Is that striking that balance? Is that something that came up in those um, explorations that you were having? Do you know what? It's been really fascinating because I think if if I look back at the generations of, of childhood that I had, my, you know, I was a, a 1970s child. So I was born into an environment where I was allowed to decorate my own room I could you know choose my incredible Hulk or Thomas the Tank Engine wallpaper and then it kind of changed over time where we hit like the 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 90s where it was more a room for that was designed by an adult rather than with a child perspective Um, I mean this isn't on mass this was just a, a general you know consensus whilst we were talking and and it began to be um it was full-scale adult furniture, but in a children's mm-hmm. room. And uh, and things started to get a little bit more plainer and maybe a little bit more beiger. And it became uh, a house that was run by adults. And I yeah. think then what happened is we've, we've had this great surge now of actually having the confidence to be proud of what you do that makes a difference in your interiors. We all yeah. you know, have Instagram and social media and we want to share with everybody what our living spaces look like. And, and I think children now are getting more and more airtime in being a deciding factor, whereas mm-hmm. before I think they were generally told this is the space that you have and you can have some decision making but you're not really going to have it all but equally as designers you know we were designing furniture that was perhaps a mini me of a grown-up piece of furniture where in actual fact when you look at the Habitat Kids collection it's storytelling that is Mm. that's really prominent in there like we we have a bookcase that's inspired by crocodiles you know we we have a a seat that's a giraffe and you know bins that are zebras and storage solutions that are goodness knows what you know inspired by the rabbit's ears and rainbows and and actually they're done in a really design-led tasteful Mm. way that means that grown-ups confidently uh, attracted to it and it's almost a good medium it's product that makes you smile but because it makes you smile it's actually unique product that's you know p- perhaps affordable and something that really crosses those those th- those bridges between affordability great design and product that makes you smile we've certainly smiled doing it yeah I think you're 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 spot on it's getting that balance isn't it between this really does feel um enjoyable for children but also I'm happy to have it <laughs> in my yeah. home and yeah. be around it. And I think actually that's really important because um, although a lot of the pieces um, are kind of about kids, kids' rooms and playrooms, I think actually the, as we talked about at the beginning, the home is becoming a lot more fluid. And as you described, you know, through the sort of 70s and 80s, like homes now, like families want to like 
smash down the walls and have like open yeah. living like there's less yeah. sort of zonal this is where the kids go this is where there's kind of a much more um fluidity in how we share absolutely and i think that you know going back to the importance of color um you know if we look back 15 years maybe you know there was a wash of white wardrobes everybody had a white wardrobe or a white bed um to actually now really explore color and size and scale and design integrity for younger minds has really been the the catalyst behind what what Habitat Kids are stood for. And then just all the things that we spoke about, you know, having a playful environment, but at the same time, it's easily tidied up afterwards, because I, I think that, you know, we all know as to how much parents cite tidying their kids rooms yeah. as their biggest frustration. And I think because of that, it it actually enabled us to draw on some very live experience of so what really drives you mad as a parent and it's like well I, I need you know storage solutions that I can quickly throw all the stuff into you know when the grandparents come around so I, I do look mm -hmm. like I do Hoover but in actual fact <laughs> I've probably just had oh my gosh they're coming get all the stuff in and I think we're all probably you know, living that that world where we want to make sure we've got spaces for everybody in the family, whether it's our pets or children. But equally, we need to kind of bring it back to a, a level of of a livable space after a certain time of the day. And I think that the storage and the wardrobes and the beds offer that. Um, mm. So yeah, so it's a bit luck. It's been a great project to work on, and we're really looking at how we grow that now because of the great success that we've had and the comments from customers. And you know, they're also informing us on our latest collections as well. Um, so that's been fantastic for us. Yeah. So what is the vision? Because it was really interesting in the research um, that Habitat Kids did, just how many parents were have actually redesigned their kids bedroom over the last um, 12 months. I think it's 80% in the survey that was conducted. So there's a yeah. lot of um, kids room um, designing happening out there. So I'm interested in yeah what the vision is going to be for the future of Habitat Kids. And also if you could perhaps speak to um, something else that came up in the research was that this, the motivation for doing that for parents, um, for, for redesigning the rooms was to boost creativity. Is that something um, that you are taking into the, the sort of future vision for Habitat Kids? Is that something that, that you guys have been um, sort of talking about and thinking about? would love to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, statistics are great, aren't they? Because they really do offer you a foundation to try and answer. And as designers, our roles are to try and find solutions for a better way of living. So that's kind of our mantra. Um, you mentioned about you know, parents who spend time with their children. And there was a statistic that um, was surfaced that said parents who spend five hours a week playing with their kids feel happier and less stressed and more yeah. creative. And in in utilising nuggets of information such as that, we've been able to surface some great designs that are bookshelves, but without patronising you that they have to be bookshelves. Yeah. Like I have a bookshelf, but my, my daughter doesn't use it for books she's using it for her yarns of wool because she loves crochet and so you know it's it's a great it, it's been a great place to create 
different solutions for different people, but without patronizing people to say, you can only hang clothes in here, you can only use this as a bookshelf, you can only store this for your rubbish. It's actually allowing the grown-ups to play with the product as much as the mm. children are. Um, and you mentioned earlier as well um, about storytelling. Um, you know, our collections are beautifully made, the quality is there, but also there are stories behind what we do. I was talking to the designers actually before I came on board and I said to them, you know, out of all the pieces that you've designed, I'm just going to go and join on, on, on the podcast um, on Playful Den. And, and what is it that you would say? And, you know, I spoke to Tom, who's our lighter designer, uh, who has two children, and he designed our uh, mushroom touch lamp. And he was basically saying that it was designed specifically to be used in a children's bedroom. It has a diffuser on there to really give a sensitive light beam. Um, and it's great for touch sensitivity so that when, you know, your children are nights out, it's just really easy for parental control to just flip that switch off and you know bedtimes there and then equally speaking with our textile designers um so uh they, they were telling me that uh, there's, they've introduced more 100% cottons into the kids' ranges. And they were explaining that being a parent really helped make the decision. It's more comfortable on the skin. It's more breathable. So we are really learning from our own experiences as parents to, to you know, kind of inform us what, what we're doing. Um, and we certainly see that growing. Going back to storytelling, we are uh, obviously also are um, designing the print and pattern that goes onto products. So we don't just design the actual form, we also design the print. And storytelling through print and pattern has probably been one of the most distinctive directions that we've been able to instill into our collections. And that again, perhaps leads nicely on to say that our next collections that we're launching is going to take Habitat Kids into nursery. So really looking at the print and the pattern that we can inform, just some beautiful collections that actually allows us to, to, to work with you know, newborns and nursery rather than just waiting. We've kind of pitched Habitat Kids um, not from birth, but from around about the years three to four upwards. Habitat Nursery allows us to really bring in a much more younger audience now, which is fantastic for us. So that's that's what's coming around the corner. How exciting. I bet your team are very um, excited <laughs> by that creative challenge. Yeah, I know. It's, it's been lovely. Um, and Where does... Sorry, where Sorry. does the inspiration, because I know you guys um, zoomed in with your storytelling um, on the jungle. That was kind of one yes. that you brought to life. And I love how you're talking about um, not being restricted by the fact that it's a bookcase or a wardrobe. It's 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 sort of whatever you want to use it for that's right for the play style of the child or whatever is happening practically in your home. And and they do have these little storytelling sparks. So I, I really enjoyed the... Um, giraffe seat and how something like that can actually turn like a tension moment into something fun so for example if like getting shoes on is always yes. like such a nightmare actually having a giraffe seat where you can be like let's get on the giraffe and put our shoes on <laughs> those little sparks as well as um drawing out creativity in kids they can also be really good like little playful hacks for parents to 
to sort of playfully um, get kids to, to do what we need them to do. So yeah, I was curious where the, um, the storytelling inspiration came from with the, um, the jungle theme, if that was kind of based on any kind of insights or any particular spark of inspiration, we'd love to hear about it. So interestingly enough, um, a body of work was carried out just to help us give us those foundation stories. And one of the nuggets of information that came out was um, about the percentage of adults that actually struggle to find creative play and storytelling themselves through through their environments. So I think it was 20% of parents report only being able to play with their kids for less than two hours a week with work being the top reason. But also they found it difficult to find catalysts um, within their environments to start play. And yeah. you're absolutely right. The, the little stool that you mentioned, the giraffe stool, which for the record, I would really love a grown-up version of as well, but yes, I'm not sure please. if I'm going <laughs> to, I think <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do a vote in system who wants a grown-up giraffe stall but but there is definitely something about you know starting off the storytelling as you said go and put your shoes on on the giraffe tie your laces on the you know put put your stuff away on on ellie the elephant yeah. it just starts to create environments you know that, that are less sterile and go and put it on the bookcase you know it's it's like well you know has have you put everything away in ellie the elephant I mean, I don't know if we've called it Ellie, but there's, you know, there's <laughs> something about that. Um, Other so names think, are available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please feel free to dial yeah. in and let us. Um, but I think, I think that the catalyst of play was so important for us. The the storytelling, as you said, through through what we were doing. Um, there's just little things like. Um, I, just the shape of things, you know, the organic shape of things. There's a there's an element of perhaps we've lived in a world of of sharp edgeness for quite yes. a while, and there's something really beautiful about organic forms that also brings down that um, mood that, that that you have in environments as well. Yeah, and I really like some of the textures to that point used in the range. The um, the rattan um, shelf, round shelf with the big bunny ears um, and that kind of very sort of like soft homely texture and also the um the, the sort of uh, what do you call the it's not a professional term you can correct me but it's like a rope threaded sort of storage basket um yes yeah, it's, it's, it's either rattan or we do move i mean even you're absolutely right craftsmanship and the tactility of pieces are really important so that little bunny shelf that you mentioned with the ears is actually woven hyacinth um so again it's it's got that handmade finish to it it's not just you know a button is pressed and it's come out of a yeah. huge machine it's actually got craftsmanship behind it and and i think also what's important as well is longevity of product because one of the things that we also explored was the lifespan of furniture and how that made a difference to you know pe people's spending power you know mm. we, we we're in a world now where you know money is is at the top of our mind and finances and you know we wanted to create a collection that would actually grow with your child as they grew but if they outgrew it that it would retain its quality so that it can be passed on for generations to come and and that was really at the the, the heart of of what we wanted to achieve as well but yeah like i say it's it's full of lots of layers habitat kids and i think that's what makes it so special i think 
and, and this isn't anything rude against other, you know, brands that do furniture for children. But I think that this one does take it to another level where you can really see that um, it's it's got those depths of why you mm. would want to buy it. Yeah, uh, in there. So we um, so we've talked quite a lot about the, some of the different pieces um, in the range and the, the the sort of storytelling sparks and how we can use them. Do you have any tips for um, grown ups out there who think, yeah, I want to make my home more playful. I want to make um, a space for um, kids in the house. Um, do you have any any top tips on designing spaces for children? I think the top tip is to really understand what is it that they would like to use their space for and balance that with what is it that you want to, <laughs> to use their space for. And so you've almost got this perfect shopping list in your mind to know, right, I know that they're going to need a bookshelf. So what type of bookshelf is it that they would like versus what type of bookshelf do I need for function? So it's almost bringing together the aesthetic uh, and, and the aesthetical needs for the children's room and spaces versus the functionality as parents that, that we also need to lean on because there's there's pointless in having you know great product that makes you smile if actually it's not functional so I think that is definitely a top tip and then just also going back to product with longevity you know what is it that after after that life has been there with you know that age group what would they then want to use it for afterwards you know does it have a, a an age span purpose behind it which is what would be really exciting um and then finally i think just make sure that it's an environment that's fit for the individual i think you know having more of a curated space that isn't just from one particular look and feel is really important um, because I think that increases tactility also. Yeah, yeah, great tips. And I would also add to that um, to take some time before you um, do any kind of redesign to really observe your child at play and try and really sort of figure out what is their play personality if they're a very yeah. um kind of kinesthetic like a, a very movement based child then probably want to try and keep that floor space as open and clear as possible versus if yes. they are like a big collector and they like little sort of treasure shows then you want to have lots of like shelves and places for all their little trinkets and things like that um, so really just take the time to observe them at play note down some of their activities and note down how they are when they're doing those activities are they still are they moving are they standing up? Are they sitting down? Because then we can start to, as you said, creatively sort of hack those pieces to use them in a way that suits the child's play style rather than just like, we'll get a wardrobe, we'll get a bed. <laughs> you can actually start to think yeah. about how can we make these things really work to, to bring out um, the play, um, play personality of the child. And that, and that can be layered as well, right? It's not a huge investment that, that, that you would need to do. It can be layered. It's not about, you know, creating, I don't know, a Disney world of, of product. It's actually about creating a layered, I don't know, sense, you know, sensual kind of place that's, that's about utilising all the senses. You know, mm. even by buying, I don't know, a bedspread that's got great illustrative storytelling on there as a design. 
that actually is a catalyst for telling stories at night. You know, I remember speaking with with, with my children um, and and getting them to sleep at night through through the power of storytelling on on what duvet designs were on at that particular time, and that imaginative kind of storytelling was great for us. I mean, I won't ever live down Mr. Fox and his sandwich story, but <laughs> it, it's still to this time it's still something that really resonates with the children and actually lent on a bit of authenticity in 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 storytelling and just getting them to switch off a bit at night so you know it can all of these ways to provoke conversation and understand what the children's thought processes are and what they're going through doesn't need to cost an awful lot you can have these little bits in there and and then finally it's the power of light as well so you know dark mornings um dark evenings you know create light use light in your room to set the scene because it's almost like you can start to turn the dimmers down in those spaces um and it starts to create a bit of a a a, a, a hub of 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 relaxation that that really does help so um there's some great lamps that that are in the habitat kids collection but it, again it's all been created with that in mind of so what do you want for play but equally what do you want to have for night time what what's going to mm. really allow that storytelling to keep going yeah and i really um like complement the the colors that you've used in the different ranges because they also give a feeling of lightness often in um when kids products are designed they um can often be sort of drowned in this very sort of like primary color palette um, it is one that kids um, are quite attracted to but as an environmental sort of stimuli it can feel very heavy and it can feel actually quite dark and quite harsh um, when it's sort of all um, sort of put together so the, the sort of color palettes um, in the different sort of themes um, in, in the Habitats Kids range I think give as well as the actual lights give this sort of sense of lightness as well and combined with some of those textures that you're talking about um, just has a really lovely sort of like ambiance to it um, that yeah feels feels fun and lighthearted but in a way that's like not um, overbearing because as a as a parent I've got three children and um, quite a uh, big age gap so I've got a very little one who's 19 months and then um, an eight-year-old and, and an 11-year-old and I um, I feel like really uh, stressed if I'm around like a lot of like shiny plastic um, materials, a lot of um, a lot of kind of like bold primary colours because it makes me feel like I'm in a sort of like a soft play or yes. I don't know like a fast food restaurant or something like that, and it just like changes how how I feel. So I loved the. Uh, I think you did a really good job at balancing like the playfulness, the fun, um, but with the, the lightness through both the textures um, and the colours and the ranges. I thought that was really cool. Oh, thank you. That's that's really lovely to hear. And and I think, um, you know, we, we all have, like you said, you know, brightness can be a really great catalyst for, for mood boosting, but equally yeah. too much 
of contrasting colours can have a negative effect. Um, and, and that's exactly why, you know, the power of colour is so important. There was a collection that we did um, that was called Homespun, and it was purposefully created to just bring the mood down. It was all different soft palettes. It had kind of ditzy prints on there. Um, it was very much um, a natural product. So, you know, really nice um, pine uh, finishes, uh, kind of nods towards, you know, details such as felting and, as you mentioned before, the, the homely textures that we really bring through. But equally, there, there was the much more brighter palette, which is why we felt really compelled to do three collections um, uh, regarding, you know, the different states that, uh, of mind that the, that the children have throughout their day. And then the parents were able to flex that. But I, I would definitely recommend the more natural palettes that you can utilize does bring in a calm because I do feel that if you touch nature, it does actually, you know, bring down um, a calmness in, in, into, into how we live our lives. And, and, and we do that across our adult collections with habitats, of course. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been really um passionate actually to talk to you about it because we, we we don't often all stand back and see as to what we achieved in collections because we know that we're then designing the next collections yeah. but <laughs> Habitat Kids has been so well received that um, we just can't wait to keep, keep building on this and as I say you know with any of your listeners anything that they would like us to explore you know through the power of yourself please do let us know because it is so important that we listen to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure they've got some um, awesome comments. Maybe more fuzzy felt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Can you still buy fuzzy felt? Fuzzy felt cushions. Oh, oh my God, that's a new innovation we've hit on. All right, we're on. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll collab on a fuzzy felt cushion. On my final question, do you have a favourite piece from the collection that you want to shout out? Oh gosh, that's a hard one. My favorite piece in the collection i am gonna go for um a play tent i think that mm. we did these great play tents and again with with the kind of imaginative play that that thought process of so if you walk around the play tent the children can then pull out different animals or you know different stories behind them and then they can go into the play tent and they've got their own little sanctuary of make belief so I, I had a pop-up tent as a as a child uh, and I absolutely loved it because it was it, it felt like it was mine like I got into that and it was my space and I remember zipping it up and reading you know my books with my torch and what have you so I think a play tent they've kind of stood their test of time yeah. and uh and now with a great print and pattern on there and just a, you know a bit of a teepee shape that looks like you're going glamping in your bedroom <laughs> is no bad thing so yeah um, yeah yeah, that was really nice to see that in the range, just veering slightly more into the sort of toyetic um, world <laughs> yes. there. Um, yeah, it was really nice to see that included. Um, I love the tent too. Um, Andrew, thank you so much for um, joining me on the podcast. It's been really fun diving into all the details and learning a bit more about how a range comes together. And um, yeah, I'm very excited to see, see what comes next from Habitat Kids. Oh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you. So um, I can't wait to hear what your listeners think. But but more importantly, 
Um, I'm so pleased that you like the collection. And as I say, it's a testament to all the hard work. Such a huge team that actually goes to land a collection. So mm. um, I will pass on all of your great comments. So thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, big high voice. five. Thank you. <laughs> oh, what a lovely guy. I absolutely love chatting to Andrew. His voice is so soothing. <laughs> um, brilliant conversation. Um, loved, loved that. And I hope you did too. Um, that is the end of the podcast for today. Um, we will be back next week. In the meantime, you can find um, all of the Habitat kids um, range both directly through Habitat. Also, um, check out Sainsbury's and Argos as well. Um, and if you want to find out more about me, you can go along to Instagram, playful underscore den. And yeah, see you soon, guys. Live playfully. Live playfully.